the New Zealand Tech Podcast, brought to you by Vector Communications, data networks built for business. Welcome to the New Zealand Tech Podcast. We're at episode 199. I'm Paul Spain. I'm Mark Webster. And I'm Paddy Buckley. Welcome along, guys. Great to have you both here. Now, uh, Mark, thank you very much for, for joining us. At, You're welcome. At short notice, uh, but we're very keen to hear your views uh, on uh, certain new Apple products that uh, were released in New Zealand in, in the last few days. Um, for those that, that don't know you uh, or haven't come across you, um, where, do, where do you fit into the sort of tech world? Uh, I'm an Apple fan. I, could, I guess you could say I write about Apple, have done for quite a long time now, since 2002. Um, used to edit a Mac magazine and I've written for the Herald and various other publications uh, about Apple. Yeah, just about Apple pretty much. Yeah, great, great. Yeah, we've read a lot of your uh, a lot of your writing in the in the Herald over the years and in, in various other places. So, yeah, very nice to have you here. And Paddy? Hi, Paul. Um, so I run QuickFlix, which is a uh, movie and TV streaming service, um, which you may be familiar with. Um, well, so I, we, I, I watched one of your uh, a movie on your service um, just the other day. Good on you. So, what yep. did you watch? Ooh, that's actually oh, a, that's ooh, a leading that's question. A, that's a difficult question oh. um, because I've watched so much stuff over the last, <laughs> last week or two. Well, I can't might, remember what it was. Well, it was a new release movie. Okay, uh, one of the newer release ones, Captain uh, America. No, it wasn't. Bad Captain Neighbors. No, no. Um, yeah. There anyway, you go. So you're, you're, you're making fun of my memory now no, uh, just right. by asking not, such a question. Not, not deliberately. <laughs> just, a, just a tiny word just to say. So we're a subscription uh, movies and TV service, but we also offer pay-per-view new release movies. Um, I guess, uh, you know, we've got various other people in the market here which have been interesting over the last little while that the whole um, video on demand market is... Um, changing quite rapidly i suppose um so yeah we offer a subscription service so the all you can eat uh, which is similar to say a light box uh we also have pay-per-view new release movies more akin to itunes and so on uh and we're across a you know wide range of dev- connected devices smart tvs consoles tablets and so on good 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 yeah well i guess yeah those are your big differentiators aren't they the that you do both models and uh, right now, you're you're across lots of devices, which is not what we've seen from anyone else locally just yet. So. Yeah, that's. I mean, uh, it's what we we like to think that we we can sort of cater to to all tastes and to everyone. Some people like the all you can eat model. Um, it, it's a it's a model that's worked really well for Netflix in the states. Uh, it's what Lightbox have uh, followed as well. Um, and so the subscription model, where you you know you just pay one price for us, it's twelve ninety nine. Uh, that's a good model. We have subscription TV and subscription movies. Um, but other people just want to sort of dip in and out on a casual basis. And, uh, you know, it's not possible to license brand new release movies into a subscription catalogue. So, uh, you know, we offer those on a pay-per-view basis. And if you want to just come in and watch um, Captain America or whatever it is, or whatever it was that you may, may have watched a week ago or, or whatever, then uh, you can do that too. So, uh, yeah. So cool. Let, All right. Well, we, we might ask you to fill us in on any, yeah. uh, any quick flux news later on. Yeah, sure. Um, but first up, we've got here... A unique looking uh, I don't know how you how you uh, describe it the speaker actually it's called the Spaced 360 um, it was just it's it's a uh, from a UK uh, it's from the UK uh, and I guess the, the the British market you know tends to be a, a place where we see higher end audio rather than some of the um, you know, cheap, uh, random, no-name stuff that we often see out of um, you know out of Asia. 
and it's very much a sort of premium Bluetooth uh, speaker. Somewhat triangular in nature because it's made up of, uh, internally it's got uh, three speakers that produce the bass and then externally, uh, in fact they're very visible aren't they Mark? Um, You've got uh, three uh, sort of I guess uh, mid-range and tweeted sort of uh, coverage. Um, this is just being launched in New Zealand at the moment. Five hundred and fifty dollars is the uh, is the price. So and it's it, wireless. Uh, yep. So it's a blue Bluetooth um, yep. speaker. So yep. you know, as far as uh, you know, devices on the market, it's that uh, um, reasonably unique in terms of its look, or very unique in terms of its look. Uh, but you know, we've got those uh, varying devices from. Uh, what are the what are the big ones? The uh, Logitech UE Boom yep. uh, is probably the you know the most popular one. They, they sell boatloads of those. But th- this is really that sort of next next step up. It's a real premium product. Not as tough as something like the UE Boom, which you can splash and get a little bit wet and so on. Um, you can see here the actual um, you know speakers on the end are, are fully uh, fully exposed. exposed yeah. um, there is a, a case for it, but it doesn't actually cover up the. Um, cover up the speakers so it is it's a real premium product you'd have to look after really well but uh, playing around with it earlier it sounds really nice can I ask and, a question and it's quite loud um, Bluetooth generally it reduces the audio quality so what's the and I don't uh, this is not a sort of I, I don't know the answer to this question mm, but mm. what's the point in having a, a really high end Bluetooth speaker does, does that not just sort of amplify um, or, or sort of yeah amplify or exaggerate the um the slight loss of quality that you get over Bluetooth? Um, I don't know. I mean, I, f- I find that the quality is, isn't is that bad, uh, you know, when, you, when you're talking about um, Bluetooth. But I think it's all relative to, to your ears. It depends whether you've got any interference. That sort of thing can really, uh, you know, mess, mess with it if you've got other stuff that's on that 2.4. Yeah. Uh, gigahertz range but i think everything's going going digital now and so you know we're talking about mp3s they might be high bitrate mp3s on a mobile device um you know if you pass those over over bluetooth uh to to a speaker like this then that's that's happening in a digital uh format so yeah uh, it doesn't have it does have a line it does have a line in yeah, I can see it now. Yeah, see, so I think you can connect yeah. in, uh, you know, physically if if you you know if you want to. Yeah. Um, but I mean, in terms of portable speakers, there, there's going to be, I guess, some limits in your quality, isn't there? But there's two issues. Like one is that you know audio quality in itself. So I assume that's really good with this. But the other thing is responsiveness. Like if you're playing a game or watching a movie, um, you know, it's got to follow exactly. If it starts lagging, you, you get worried. So did you notice anything like that? No, I haven't noticed any uh, any sort of lag, but you know, um, I th- you know, I think we're talking you know a pretty small number of of milliseconds when you're so close to something. It's not like a sort of a internet uh, type type lag, so you know it should be uh, it should be so minimal that you wouldn't uh, you wouldn't notice it. It should um, be, yeah. <laughs> and but it'd be interesting to to listen to the response um, wired and wireless, and also the the range, you know, the frequency response. Of the audio, whether it changes. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I think it, it's got to depend. It's you know, it's this sort of same sort of um, 
thing as as lots of others and that it comes down to what works for you personally and I think for some people audio over Bluetooth it's just fantastic it's just that convenience thing uh, and and the you know the fact you can have a reasonable sort of quality device that you can take with you this one uh, they say 8 to 12 hours battery life and it's got a really nice little uh, dock which I don't know whether it's sitting with it or whether it's somewhere else in the room um, that it just that it just sits on top of um, so very easy to uh, to charge. You don't actually have to physically plug it in. You just drop it on a um, the on the on the little uh, on the little cradle that's that's here in the uh, in the box. Um, okay, but it's both portable and fragile, which is a bit weird with those speakers sticking out. So it's a strange combination, isn't it? it, it, it it's a good it's a good point, and it was it was something that stood out to me as hey, this looks really gorgeous, but. Uh, yeah, could could easily be damaged, so not the sort of thing you'll be uh, uh, probably so likely to take to the beach, shall we say? <laughs> I'm also um, I'm, I'm, out in the rain, like you might with a UE boom. I'm wondering about the the sort of usage scenario, you know, where you've got these really high end um, speakers. You'd kind of think, well, um, you know, are, are they going to be if 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 it's quite fragile and so on, it's not that portable. You know, is it more for home use and then you know i'm just i guess i'm just trying to struggle to see sort of yeah i, I mean i really think it's probably the sort of thing in. that you would use around the home and i mean you've got to remember this is a device that probably you know if you look after it well it's going to last you for quite a number of years yeah um it costs half of what a high-end smartphone costs yeah. so it's not as though this costs three times as much of us as a smartphone um and when i was thinking about it before in terms of the sorts of Stereo and and audio devices that that we buy now. It's I mean it's so different to where we were uh, twenty years ago. I remember you know, the, probably the first and virtually the only thing I ever bought on uh, on higher purchase from a, a retailer was a, uh, a stereo from from Sony. Uh, I can't remember how old I was, a teenager or early twenties, um, and it was I don't know maybe two thousand you know two thousand dollars for for you know a sound system and. CD um, player and whatnot, um, and these days we you know we're much more granular. So you're buying a phone, you're buying something like this, yeah. um, and for the two thousand dollars I spent back then, you'd get something much more interesting for your money uh, uh, now. And if you added inflation on, um, that's pro- it's uh, probably the equivalent of half a million now with inflation <laughs> over the last few years. But it's an interesting shape because it looks like the sort of thing you'd put on a boardroom table because if you're listening to music or playing a game, you're not going to get stereo separation. So in a game, you can't place you know, where things are coming from, which is mm-hmm. really important in a game, and you're not getting that stereo separation either because there's three speakers firing. So Yeah, how would you know which, which way it comes yeah. from? Yeah, yeah. Um, but, yeah, very visually very nice, and it uh, sounded pretty good. But, yeah, in terms of that stereo uh, aspect, it is quite interesting yeah, head-scratching in terms of... Um, yeah, how does that work when you've got uh, when you've got three speakers? So it also, I mean, it does look like it could be cast in the new Star Wars movie, doesn't it? It does. Yeah, it's nice and solid. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So nice, cool uh, gadget. Now they've just launched their website overnight, spaced three hundred and sixty If you you're looking for a, a fancy thing to add to your audio kit. Now, uh, one feature this has that um, doesn't relate to the next product we're talking about is it does have a NFC uh, Bluetooth pairing. Oh. So you can tap your uh, whatever smartphone you've got as long as it uh, supports that capability. So at this stage, that's uh, generally going to be Android or, or Windows phone. I think BlackBerry probably do the same thing. Um, but the iPhone... 
and we, we tested it out just to be sure, although it's got uh, an NFC capability, uh, that's, that's at this stage locked down to, uh, to Apple Pay. So uh, tapping the iPhone onto the um, Space 360 does not, not gonna work. does not pair it for you. So uh-huh. not a big deal to pair your phone. But <laughs> throw that one out there. Okay, so it's, um, let, let's dive in and, and talk about the iPhone 6 and the 6 Plus. Uh, Mark, you've you've had um, you spent some time with, with Apple on uh, on Friday, yeah. and they've they've given you a, um, a I'm sure a fairly detailed briefing and answered a few questions for you. Yeah, um, you've been using an iPhone for probably a while, quite a while now. Um, an avid iPhone user, what are your sort of first impressions? What are the things that that stand out? Because we're talking about uh, yeah, two devices that are quite different to the previous iPhones, certainly from that sort of size perspective. The design's changed a little bit, yeah. but their software changes. There's a bunch of bits and pieces in there. What, what's, uh, what are the highlights for you? I think the first thing that, that, you, re- that you notice is that they're really beautifully made. Um, the iPhone 5 was and 4 was quite square seeming, and um, you know, to the hand, so you sort of you got a, sol- a solid feeling device. But these feel quite different, and in a way, they're almost uh, they're almost slippery. Um, and a few people have unboxed them and they've gone flying across the room and you can sort of see why and part of that is not just the finish but the rounded off edges that Apple's very proud of and of course it's, a, it's beautifully done um, I noticed in the Herald review of it the other day that you know that I didn't write you how Saranen wrote it but um, when you lay it flat on a table the, the protruding camera means it's unbalanced which is it's not, not like Apple to do that I, but I hadn't even noticed that so there you go um, yeah, it's not not too it's, bad, it's, is it? But it's hardly noticeable on on my desk. To be to be fair, um, yeah, I, I wouldn't know. Um, not a deal breaker. I wouldn't, I wouldn't notice <laughs> at all. In fact, because it was something that had been talked about after it had been released internationally, it was one of the first things I went to uh, went to look at once I got my hands on one. And actually, it's it's. I mean, it's so small. It protrudes just over a on my my count, just over a millimeter. Yeah, uh, it's pretty tiny. It's not. I don't. I think it's it's hardly noticeable in most cases. Isn't okay. It? Yeah, I, I haven't. Um, I hadn't noticed it until I read that in the Herald. So yeah, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I thought the the iPhone six plus would just be far too big for me, and it, and it probably is too big for me. It's not the phone that I'll buy. I'll probably buy the six. Um, but that said, it's. I think Apple's done a really good job of making a big phone. Like it feels good. It still fits in jacket pockets, lab coat pockets, and I think that's the market. And handbags, of course. Um, you wouldn't want to stick it in your back pocket in your jeans and sit down. Yes, you might bend it. Apparently, there have been nine complaints of bent iPhones. And remember, Apple sold 10 million of these things in three days. So not really um, the whole bend gate thing is a bit of a beat up. Um, and no, I'm not going to try and bend mine. <laughs> I've, I've already had a go. Oh, have you? Oh, yeah. Good for you. So I've had a go, just <laughs> gently. Yeah. And, I, and I've, you know, I've proven that you know, just, just a casual bit of pressure definitely doesn't bend the iPhone 6 or, or, or 6 Plus. I mean, you would need to apply a chunk of pressure. There is a video online of some, I'm going to call them idiots because they are, <laughs> um, some kids that have gone into an Apple store and basically bent a whole bunch of iPhones and, uh, and, and videoed it. Um, so you can, yeah, you need to apply a fair bit of pressure if, you, too, if yeah. you're going to uh, damage it. But, uh, yeah, they've probably got a million or 10 million views out of their... Uh, Things so maybe they're smarter than I am, um, but uh, yeah, kind of, kind of, um, yeah, amusing all the uh, hullabaloo around uh, the iPhones being uh, being bendy. Patty, you've just, I mean, you've just had your first look this afternoon at at both phones. 
And I saw, actually, I saw, I saw the, the six uh, oh, you did. over the fine. weekend. And then six plus just now. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, we were saying before we went on air that, or I was saying this is a really a subjective thing. You know, people are, are often, they're either just they're Apple guys or they're Android or, you know, in some cases, Windows phone like you, Paul. Um, and, you know, I'm an Android guy, so I've got an, an LG G3, which is a five and a half inch screen. And, and I'm, I'm struck that that's about just the ho- not, 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 not the screen but the size of the whole handset mm. is about as big as I think I could ever go for my phone and the 6 Plus same size screen but it's a lot bigger because you know iPhones do have quite a lot of, of extra I don't know what you call it but you know the bezel or whatever space the, top and bottom yeah space yeah. at the top and the bottom and the result is, is it really the 6 Plus really feels like a, a phablet I don't maybe shouldn't use that word about an Apple product but it really feels that but way but it's fair it's fair <laughs> so, so no, don't get me wrong <laughs> Beautiful build quality as ever. Uh, I, I'm a, you know, that's great. Uh, I think the six plus is too would be just too big a handset for me, uh, and yet I love the screen size of my G3, which is five and a half inches. So, you know, the, I, I'm kind of left in a position where just for me personally, it's four four point seven, isn't it? The the six, is that right? The screen size. That's right. So yeah. you know, Android phones are calling themselves. C- compact at that size so it's quite interesting to me I'd like to see an Apple phone that's beautifully built and everything that comes in at about 5 inches Um, but so to me it's just probably a a little bit small but at the the same time it looks beautiful and the other thing I was saying is that um, what Apple have done recently it's not with these handsets but with the upgrade to iOS 8 is they've removed one barrier that I've had uh, recently to um, uh, having an iPhone which is um, third party keyboards this is a you know big thing for me it's, it always strikes me not a lot of people seem to pay attention to third party keyboards and you know that's fine but but I you know to me so I, I use swipe on on Android swipe with a Y and it, it is an absolute game changer that you can just move your finger around without lifting it up I'm, I'm an awful lot quicker uh, just typing on the move is, is really you know significant now previously up until now with an with the old, I used to have an iPhone 4s and you know the screen was pretty small and you were you know I was there with two fingers or with one it, it just didn't really work for me at all and I, I got annoyed and I quickly went back to Android having given it a go now you can use their swipe, their swift key, which you can enable um, swipe swiping with as well. Um, that's that's a really big thing for me, for me, and and I think a lot of iOS users all you know should check that out, and I think they'll be pretty pleasantly surprised. I um, think um, yeah. one of the booming markets for Apple is the is the medical industry, and um, I was talking to a doctor a couple of months ago from Manchester, or ran some you know like a medical school, or was working in a medical school in Manchester, and was a pediatrician. And he was saying that the uh, the iPad Mini was fantastic because they could all fit it in their lab coat pockets really easily. But you know, to to them, to people that need to do that, this is the perfect device because they're not carrying an iPhone and a an iPad. Um, it's a it's a beautiful um, intermediary between the two, and it does both jobs very well. So. Um, you know, that's a market I hadn't really thought of, but of course Apple's releasing HealthKit, so there's all that in the Apple Watch and there's all this medical stuff coming out. So for that market, it's fantastic. And there are other markets that Apple um, doesn't talk about so much, and one of them is uh, literally older people. <laughs> you know, like I didn't need glasses till I was 46. Um, it's, both of these phones are much easier to see. Uh, and there are people who, with eye problems, who you know, these are fantastic for, because I, I kept thinking, you know, if I can't stick it in my pocket and... I don't want it. And also walking down the street, talking on my phone, you know, how big is it actually? It's actually quite doable. I was quite surprised. If you had really tiny hands, you might struggle. I don't know. But then again, have you seen that people walk around talking at their phones? They don't hold them up. 
So, you know, I'm probably being old-fashioned. I've never got why they do this, but it's starting to make sense. Yeah, it's interesting, the, the form factor thing. Um, I, when, when I saw both of the iPhones, I was, sort of, I was definitely drawn to the iPhone 6 Plus because of that size. It just, just looked so good. The screen looked pretty enticing. And so I made that um, the one that I put my, uh, yeah, put my main SIM card into. Um, now, a couple of things about that, that experience. Um, the size of it, yeah, pretty big, so looking for a bigger pocket. Um, not, I didn't find it a, a, a big deal, except that I'm usually carrying multiple devices. Yeah. Uh, and I haven't, got a, I haven't got a case yet for the iPhone 6 or 6 Plus, um, so I felt a little bit cautious about having um, you know, multiple phones in, in the pocket that might sort of scrape each other. Yeah. Um, so that's probably not a common issue for most people, but you might have keys and so on to go in the same pocket. So um, yeah. I do like that Apple have some quite nice um, cases I'll get a case available as soon as possible. That, are, that yeah. are sort of part of their design, and we are seeing that. Like HTC have got their, uh, they've got that quite cool um, cover that you you can see uh, see you know see through and yeah. uh, bits and pieces like that. So there are some um, good covers, but for me, it's now becoming a real uh, thing that I want with a phone as a good case, so that Absolutely. I know I'm going to get you know get my investment yeah. and uh, you know keep it keep it safe. Um, and yeah, so that that's a key thing. Um, the size, the only, I guess, the time where I had the biggest challenge with size was when I was trying to compare the cameras, uh, in particular the video cameras, between the iPhone 6 Plus, uh, which stands out from the iPhone 6 in that it's got optical image stabilisation. Um, so, the, and there are a couple of things about the the iPhone six plus that that are different to the six you 've got the screen size uh, higher definition uh, screen, uh, the optical image stabilization and a and a battery that 's uh, around fifty percent bigger than on the six so uh, if you 're wondering well why you know why is it so big what, yeah why is it so big and why should I pay extra? There are actually uh, you know a few things in there over and above what the uh, what the six has, but the challenge I had was trying to carry in uh, both phones at once and shoot video and I'm just trying to do this now um, and yeah the, the uh, definitely you need you generally need uh, you know two hands on a device of this sort of size um, to do most things without otherwise it you can fit it in one hand but it does it doesn't uh, I don't know it just feels a little bit unwieldy in one hand. But I don't. I mean, that's never been an issue generally because most of the time it's no problem to have two hands on the phone. Um, Interestingly, though, so with my G3, sorry, I'm not sort of deliberately plugging it. It's just that it's the it's the reference I have right now. It's a very nice I, phone, Patty. I, I quite enjoy u- using it. I can I can use I can use it one handed, and I think literally the the iPhone six plus just goes beyond. I mean, we've all got different sized hands, of course, but it just goes beyond that one-handed um, it's almost a centimetre longer you know, isn't it the iPhone exactly right than that yeah. thing. Yeah. it's yeah. interesting that you say that because I've got I've got my G3 here next to the the, the 6 plus yeah and width wise similar it's it's pretty close you know I guess yeah. we're talking uh, I don't know within 5 mils say yeah um, but yeah that little bit of width Definitely makes a difference, and then yeah, le- lengthwise, um, yeah, there, quite a big difference. There, are, there is quite and a big exactly difference. It's exactly the same size screen, even though the screen sizes are, are very similar. One thing that helps on the LG 
is having those buttons on the on the back yeah. in the middle. So with a big phone, you don't have to reach right around yeah. to the side. You've actually just got to get your finger um, to the to the back of the phone near the camera. Yeah, and it's that is something that's yeah reasonably well totally unique really from LG. But on a bigger phone like that, actually, works um, well. it works quite well. well doesn't it, took, it took me a couple of days before it became instinctive. It doesn't take that, that, that long though. Now I pick up another phone and I'm trying to you know. Look at find find the trigger button on the back and it's just not there. And well, strange. you know how confused I get oh. from phone to phone every yeah. other every other day. And, uh, and Apple would yeah. never do that. Just a word oh, on never, the um, on the on the battery though. I, I was just saying before we went on air, and I, I think this is true: is that for me, the 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 additional battery life will only become uh, you know really relevant when you can get two days of battery out of your phone. But I think. My, I'm unlike most people in that I just charge my phone at night and I'm just going to be charging my phone at night no matter what yeah so, I'm not know. sure I agree entirely no. with that because there are okay. situations when having that extra half a day worth of battery life is good because you're you're travelling you're at a conference somewhere you're using your phone a whole lot yeah and in that sort of situation, I usually just find I'm because I'm, I'll switch from one phone to the other. Yeah. Um, but I can easily run out a phone, uh, you know, with its day battery life in half a day if I'm yeah. if I'm using it constantly because I'm out of the office, I'm at an event, maybe I'm tweeting a lot, taking a lot of photos, video, yeah. etc. Yeah. So an extra half a day uh, battery life, which is maybe what you you know you might uh, find out of the six plus. Will be handy in those sort of uh, those sort of situations. Yeah. Are you finding with all of your new headsets though that um, battery life is just generally trending up? It, I mean, def- definitely is. Yeah, definitely is trending up, and you know that's I think a combination of hardware things and software things. Um, but yeah, we I mean we're starting to get bigger batteries, and uh, yeah, I, th- I think it, you know it's it's a pretty important uh, feature. Yeah, and you know something Apple have. have copped a bit of flack for uh, with the 5S in terms of battery life uh, personally I haven't had too much of a problem with that you know I've, I've used the the 5S um, pretty constantly since it launched it's been my primary phone um, for very much the large majority of the time since it's launched um, you know the I guess alongside it, I've used a number of Androids and recently the um, the Lumia um, Nine nine thirty. Um, talking to Loon Me and nine thirty. That thirty. That was what I was comparing over the weekend from a video perspective with the iPhone six plus. Uh, and I wanted to try out the image stabilization, which the six plus has, or optical image stabilization, as it's called. Uh, and some interesting results there. Um, a different. Um, uh, form factor was the default for the, for the for the video, so I was getting sort of 1080p uh, video off the um, off the Lumia 930, but it seemed to be a slightly different form factor on the um, on the iPhone 6 Plus. Um, that's not too much of a big deal. There's probably an option in there to uh, to change it. Should I have, have delved in? Um, but the bit that stood out was the optical image stabilisation on the Nokia Lumia did seem to be a, a step ahead. And we we just tried that before um, here in the office, and it it, it seemed reasonable notice, reasonably noticeable, yeah, didn't it, Mark? Yeah, in terms yeah. of it did look better on the the the, the, uh, the Nokia, and that's one thing I think they've put a, a huge amount of effort into as their optics. And yeah, I think we, we were talking about before we look around all the. Different Different phones that we've got here, and um, you know, last week the um, Huawei, um, the new handset from Huawei, I think it's the P8, if I've got the name right, um, that arrived and very sleek at 6.5 mils. It's, it's slimmer than the um, 
uh, the iPhone 6, which comes in at, at 6.9, and then 7.1 for the 6 Plus. Uh, and then we've got the Lumia with its camera, and we've got wireless charging on another phone and waterproof, all these different bits and pieces. But when you look for a handset that is the all-round winner, um, you know, I think that that's where the iPhone sort of stands out. They've, you know, they've got really good software. If you move from one device to another with the iCloud backup, etc., um, you know, a good app, a good app catalog, um, you know, camera, general capabilities are very, very good. So, you know, I I still rate the iPhone as um, as a as a you know pretty key product out there in the marketplace. And I, you know, I think with uh, with what they've done this time around. Um, you know, it's it's reasonably understandable why they've, they've broken a few records again with their sales. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, it, people often say to me, you know, like my Android is better than your iPhone, and spec for spec, it probably is. But that's for me, that's completely missing the point because all of my stuff is Apple. They all they all talk to each other seamlessly, and that's what I need, and that's what I like. You know, so it doesn't. You know, an Android would have to be spectacularly better for me to even think about going there. Um, so for me, as an Apple user, it's just wonderful. It's a wonderful phone. I like them both. Um, even the Big Plus is um, is slimmer and lighter feeling than I expected, and easier in the hand than I expected. So you know, I'm impressed. But the the iPhone six is the one that I'll get. Yeah. Now, we're, now one area I have been uh, let down, and I think I'm one of the a very small uh, minority because I did. Google this to see uh, how many other people were having a similar issue, and it didn't appear to be a, a huge number out of the ten plus million that had, that had uh, gone across to the um, the iPhone six or six plus. Was um, that I rest- started restoring my iCloud when I got the phone on uh, on Friday, but I was only in the office for a, for a few minutes on Wi-Fi. And then off out of town for the bulk of the weekend, so away from uh, Wi-Fi. And um, the iCloud Restore is designed to basically pull all my settings, apps, uh, yeah, data and so on that I've backed up into iCloud back onto the device. Now, I deliberately turned off the backup of my photos within iCloud uh, because I had close to... 60 gigs odd worth of photos and video on there Uh, so that would have really messed me up so it wasn't a huge backup that it had to restore um, but a few gigs and some of Apple's apps are are pretty big actually you know 500 megs um, plus in in some cases Um, and yeah I'm here I am a few days later and it seems as though the restore hasn't worked entirely because when I turn the phone on um, and I'm just at the, the lock screen down the bottom. It says restoring from iCloud backup, uh, and it's been saying that since uh, since Friday. So and some of your apps haven't loaded in. Fully yeah, you can see some of the apps that are um, sort of you know greyed out because they haven't uh, they haven't restored yet. So um, although as I say, Apple have got the the best backup and recovery process. There are odd times where it doesn't it doesn't entirely uh, work perfectly. All the online things say go go and do your uh, your backup and restore from um, iTunes, and yeah, that that will work flawlessly. Um, that said, I've seen situations where an iTunes uh, backup ha- can have an issue. Um, so. Yeah, I think that's the nature of technology. Sometimes there will be oddities for, for one reason or another, um, and I'm sure part of this has been, um, um, yeah, was, was well, a big part of it was probably my limited access to, to Wi-Fi on Friday and over the weekend. And anything that you've bought in the, in the App Store or that you've downloaded free in the App Store, if you go in there and tap the cloud thing, it'll download straight away that way anyway. 
Yeah, yeah. So you can go and sort of force these things, but I would, I would love it on its own to um, to get rid of that message. Of but uh, I probably will have to manually manually go th- go through um, that track. So, what do, what do we think about the um, sort of curved edges? Because to me, they're really nice and they look. Um, I think they make the the device seem slimmer than it really is. It yeah. seems like a pretty clever build. So I'm comparing it with the. Was it the Huawei you were saying is, mm, is a marginally mm. slimmer? Well, it doesn't look slimmer from where I'm sitting. No, that's, um, a, that's interesting, isn't it? Yeah, it feels yeah. great to the hand. Um, but that also adds to the slippery thing. You know, I'm looking forward to getting a case. I'm, it scares me a bit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's going to go flying across the room sort of thing. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, when I got the... Um, I hate to admit it, but the um, this uh, Nokia or Nokia uh, Lumia 930... Um, I haven't got a case for it yet, and uh, it took a bit of a tumble and is a little bit uh, um, scarred, shall we say. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it, I think that it's actually a pretty important aspect of of, of a phone is how you're going to uh, how you're going to pr- protect it. Although, yep. as soon as you do that, of course, the, 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 the gorgeous design of some of these phones is suddenly uh, it's exactly right. suddenly hidden away. So, um, what about the um, flip side to that, isn't it? Yeah. The screen. I don't mean the resolution. I mean the actual, uh, um, you know, the screen itself or the what? It, what? What's the, what is it? What were they saying? It is the. Um, you know the in the actual screen. I don't know. I don't even know what I call it's it. It's over two million pixels in the in the plus. Right. Just over a million in the. Yeah, in it's the a ten, 1080, 1080p. Are you talking no, about I mean, the LCD no, technology I mean, that's I in mean there, the, or the actual um, sort of face of the device? Oh. Um, what would you call that? What would you call that? So, yeah, I, in terms of scratching it and stuff, is what, it, oh, is what I'm driving not, at. It's not sapphire. It's no. It's, gla- it's hardened glass. It's gorilla glass. Do we know? Do we know much about how good that is? In, in relation to, I've never broken one, but I've seen plenty of broken ones. Yeah, yeah. I, I haven't tried scratching. It. I mean, in terms of brightness and so on, it, it's um, yeah, it's pretty good. Um, really, it it really wasn't black as well. It was interesting next to um, again. I'm bringing the the new um, Lumia into it because that was what I had it next to, sort of on the uh, on the beach as I was trying to take this footage and carefully not drop either of them into the water. Um, <laughs> And yeah, both of them have a have a good display, but in the particular light that we had over the weekend, uh, the the Nokia ac- actually surprised me because I remember when I first saw the iPhone six, I thought, "Wow, that's punchy! It looks really good." Um, but the two next to each other, interestingly, the the Nokia looked um, looked brighter. I don't, I don't know what either of you, you think of the two side by side. It's hard without the same image on them, isn't it? Yeah, are they both um, up to full brightness. That's yeah, that's what I was going to. Yeah, good good point. So let's have a let's have a look. So we're going into the Lumia. Our brightness is on automatic. That's up. I'll pass the um, the iPhone six to Mark to see if he can put that on full brightness. So yeah, maybe this already already was all oh, right so that's that's probably the big difference isn't it that if you put your iphone 6 on full brightness it definitely jumps out a little bit more it jumps out a lot more actually that looks um that looks thing so was that on that was on the automatic setting before and it was on half right so that's something to be aware of that maybe even in in sunlight these things don't um automatically um go to their their brightest settings yeah, well, all of these phones look pretty good, don't they? Um, yeah, these, these and, uh, and high viewing angles are and so on are, are, are really good. They're um, they're really punchy, actually. The point I was badly trying to make is when we were talking about K 
cases and so on. The other thing is about screen protectors. So it's 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 that kind of thing. It falls into the same camp. You know, you put a screen protector over your over your beautiful screen, mm, and mm. on my um, I'm not a big fan of screen protectors. I usually don't uh, don't bother. But I've, then again, I've I encourage to. everyone else around the office to do them because I don't <laughs> want them to break phones and then I have to pay for replacements. But, well, that's why I want that's why I want someone to come out with you know the next generation of whatever it is that is you know basically unscratchable and well on my on my five my iphone five which is the phone i had before i went to the six i had a glass one but i think it was by moshi and that that was really nice right very very tough yeah and uh you didn't there wasn't any perceptible sort of feeling or lag or anything yeah yeah that's good Um, i was pleased with that now um there's there's probably a a fair bit more we could discuss around uh the iphone uh let, let's see how we go once we've got through a few other uh, uh, other topics. Now, um, this this weekend just gone was uh, was Digital Nations. Now, um, I guess just just a sort of a quick wrap up. I don't know if you were you got to it at all, uh, Mark. I know uh, you didn't manage to uh, make it this weekend, Patty. Um, but uh, yeah, I had a had a good um, a good nosy around. I thought I'd just pop my head in for about an hour over the weekend and. I found I got myself stuck there for hours and hours. So um, that's a good sign. Yeah. Well, yes, yes, and no. I was trying to have a family uh, weekend away, and I ducked back to Auckland to quickly uh, attend Digital Nations. And uh, yeah, I was gone for a few hours. So um, why did I get stuck there? Um, I quite enjoyed. There was a um, the computer museum thing that was set up there. So heaps of old gaming consoles. Um, computers, a big line of various Macs. Uh, I saw the uh, the Steve Jobs Next computer, which I'd never actually seen right. uh, in person before. Um, so there were a bunch, you know, there was a whole bunch of stuff. Took me right back to some of my earliest sort of computing experiences um, with a, a, a Sega uh, a Sega system, the uh, SC three thousand, which was one of the first computers that I um, I played with in my. Um, much younger days, shall we say? Um, so that was quite fascinating. But there, there was a real uh, broad variety of stuff. Lots and lots for the gaming folk uh, there as well. Um, new games to sort of play that hadn't been you know, accessible anywhere else. Um, but I got to uh, try out uh, Segway. That was a bit of bit of fun. Hadn't been for a ride on one of those before. Yeah, I've been um, on one of those. Yeah, that that's that's, uh, that's a cool experience. So they were there. Um, there was uh, there were a few electric uh, electric cars there, EVs, um, including the um, the Roadster from what's the um, the Tesla Roadster, um, which was cool. I hadn't seen that particular um, Tesla. Uh, before as well. Have they signed up to sponsor the NZ Tech Podcast yet, or is that still Tesla? A work in progress. <laughs> well, I was going. I actually had had an appointment to go and visit the Tesla factory when I was in um, Silicon Valley. Um, when was it? Uh, might have been earlier this year or or late late last. And um, the scheduling sort of didn't work out, so I completely missed the chance. And then the guy that I knew that was working there moved on to work somewhere else. So my inside contact has fallen apart. And um, yeah, so and Elon Musk didn't reply to my tweet. So I can't uh, believe it. Like I so, tweeted, I tweeted about it as well. We had a little chat on Twitter, mm, and uh, mm, mm. I was hoping they'd take the bait. Yeah, no, it didn't uh, didn't work. So I'm looking forward to a review model being uh, being sent sent across. Uh, Only a matter before, of time before the New Zealand launch. Um, but yeah, so um, lot lots of cool stuff there, and um, 
the name of the other product that I'm just um, I'm just trying to remember um, is give me two seconds uh, Rex Bionics. Um, now their company been following for a, for a little while, and they've got um, they've got their robotic walking device um, for for those that um, you know are are impaired in some way and their ability uh, to walk. These this is a uh, a thing you sort of get this sort of strap into you climb into it um, these legs, and um, I obviously having working legs, it was probably a little bit harder for it because I wasn't used to just letting my legs go. Um, but I was given the opportunity, um, very very kindly of them, uh, let me use um, uh, um, their device, and uh, they, they're often referred to as bionic legs, um, and uh, yeah, very very effective. Um, and um, somewhere online, I saw saw them referred to uh, as being compared to uh, Wallace and Gromit's uh, wrong trousers. If anyone's uh, yeah, it's a great, uh, great movie. Yes, yeah, seen that. Yeah. Uh, thoroughly entertaining, but uh, very very cool. And uh, yeah, it's always you know it's great that there's a bit of the you know some of the Kiwi innovation. Uh, on on show there. What stage um, are they at, are at they Digital are? Nations as well? Well, I think there's um, they've there are a few of them now that have been produced. They're pretty expensive. There's a whole lot of custom microprocessors and bits and pieces in them to 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 do what they do. Um, I think they were saying there's maybe two or three um, you know, pairs of them in New Zealand, and you know similar sorts of numbers in some other parts of the world. So uh, you know they've they've they produce something that is is pretty Im- impressive. And when you say, um, but, pretty, but I think expensive, big, big bucks to buy. Um, I think we're talking um, hundred hundred k plus. Yeah. Um, Could you buy so like one leg and then add the other leg later? Don't think so. I oh. think it all comes together. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess um, yeah, that would be one way of sort of trying to reduce your upfront cost. Uh, hop, you hop, pay for a toe, around, yeah. and then the next toe, <laughs> and uh, then Can up I to f- the knee, <laughs> and uh, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm, yeah, I'm just I'm curious about the um, I'm curious about the the price now because um, the yeah. Segway kind of had accessibility. Um, uses didn't it? I mean, you, if you well, they stand showed a, up, they showed can... a showed a wheelchair, you know, sort of uh, variant of right. of it, which is I think a New Zealand design. Huh. So they take an off the shelf Segway and then they modify it uh, into basically a, a, a wheelchair that sits just on the on the two wheels and keeps itself in balance and so on. Wow, and, um, that sounds good. Yeah, there's quite a lot of customization of Segways going on. I think mm. I've seen a few mm. few different things. They look quite fun. I actually met um, Steve uh, Wozniak on a Segway. That's how I. Oh right. Uh, there was a, he was here a few years ago when I was still editor of MacGuide, and there was a, a what twelve hundred dollar a night black tie dinner that I got invited to. My boss went, "No way, I'm not paying for that." And then I heard they were practicing down in Western Springs Park, so I wandered right. down there with a couple of MacGuides under my arm yeah. and had a really long chat with them. And then they made me have a ride on one, which was really uh, exciting. Yeah. And then um, and then one of the guys took me aside. One of the Segway New Zealand guys took me aside and said, "You know we." limit Steve Wozniak's Segway, don't tell him, because he's so dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> Quite funny. Uh, that's brilliant. Yeah, well, the guy who heads up, uh, looks after the distribution uh, here, he was he was pretty flash on the Segway, doing all sorts of tricks bet, and, yeah. and things. So, um, yeah, it looks, certainly looks like a, uh, a, a fun, uh, fun device. 
Um, now, other little bits and pieces of news. Um, just came through today that uh, HP have some a couple of couple of interesting sort of lower cost products uh, that are really sort of crossing crossing into you know what we expect of um, products that are not running Windows from a price point more um, you know uh, um, into Google's territory. So there's a laptop at a at a Chrome um, Chrome type pricing from HP that's just been announced in the states. Uh, this is coming in at a hundred ninety nine uh, dollars, and they've also got a, um, a Windows based tablet, which again sort of comes in at an Android uh, tablet type price. So they've got a US ninety nine dollar uh, Windows tablet that's um, that's launching. Uh, in the not too distant future, so yeah, quite interesting to sort of now start seeing a little bit of the results of the announcement that came through from Microsoft a few months ago, which was that Windows on sort of smaller uh, smaller uh, devices from the tablet perspective was going to be free uh, i 'm not exactly sure around uh, the Windows version that's included in the um, this one hundred and ninety nine dollar laptop because this does fall over the um, over the threshold to get uh, Windows free, I believe this is the um, the HP Stream 11 is a $199 laptop, and that's got a uh, an 11.6 inch screen. And for another $30, there's the HP Stream 13, uh, which is a 13.3 inch screen. So um, yeah, it's interesting seeing the prices of hardware just come down to such low points especially when you compare them with the price of a smartphone for sure um, yeah. it's pretty crazy isn't it I mean where, where's the money to be made out of selling $99 tablets and $199 uh, laptops and unless you're know. selling huge huge quantities I think that's um, the aim though isn't it it's volume but I think the regime change at Microsoft has led to some interesting things did you hear that Balmino he bought the Los Angeles Clippers or whatever they're called that's right and immediately banned all their iPads like yeah there were some rumours along those lines that's kind of funny so anti-Apple it was ridiculous Uh, Um, and yet all of this time Apple and Microsoft have been swapping engineering teams you know behind the scenes they're actually quite close and like there's a lot of Microsoft tech in Apple and especially in the networking, mm, so you mm. know that there's actually a lot of dialogue there that you don't know about. And then, but then, Balma was such a—I was going to say bigot. Am I allowed to say bigot? <laughs> um, Zealot. But the, the new guy, the, the new guy's—he's yeah. um, just much more practical, and yeah. and looks like things are looking up across across those platforms for Apple users and Microsoft users. So that's great. Yeah, I, th- I mean, I think that, you know this sort of co- competition is uh, is you know kind of yield some interesting results. Um, I mean, we d- we did have on the podcast, you know, what was it two or three weeks ago, a hundred ninety nine dollar, um, yeah, Acer laptop that actually proved to be, uh, yeah, proved to be okay for uh, for for the money. Um, I'm guessing that the version of Windows and this is maybe this um, sort of um, window, Windows eight with uh, with Bing edition or something at that sort of uh, price point. But it, this is the sort of stuff that Microsoft must do. If they're going to, um, you know, avoid ceding a lot of market share to uh, to Google, so yeah, I think this sort of thing is going to is pretty much going to continue, and you know, this will be this type of approach will be common, uh, you know, going going forward. And you know, I would be surprised if if things uh, turn back up once you know once we see products at this sort of price point. Uh, I think they're they're there to stay. We're going to keep seeing uh, you know lower and lower cost smartphones as as well. 
um, yeah, it, it just makes the technology much more accessible, doesn't it? And I guess the obvious markets are students um, from five up. Yeah, I mean, at, at this sort of price point, it, you know, it's pretty affordable for a parent to put a, uh, yeah, whatever device is going to be most suitable for their, uh, for their child, but to put that in their, uh, in their hands. So, yeah. Um, now, a little bit unusual, two products uh, that we, we wouldn't often talk about, but uh, we've got a couple of new printers around the office here. Um, one which Brother sent over and has a ridiculous name. Um, I don't know who wants to read this out. Uh, it is the Brother MFC-J5720DW. Now, I'm sure all of those uh, numbers and letters and so on stand for something that W at the end is probably wireless. Uh, the D, maybe it duplex printing prints on both sides of the paper. I actually don't know. I haven't tried that. Um, but this um, the this was interesting to me for for a couple of uh, couple of reasons. So when uh, when brother sent this across, um, they called it an A4 inkjet all-in-one printer with A3 capability. Um, does that make any sense to either of you? I, I imagine an A4 going in and coming out as an A3, but that's not what happens, is it? <laughs> no, no. But, it, I mean, it is, it's, I guess it's similar size to a normal A4-type printer, but if you want to run A3, there's a bigger tray that sort of sticks out the side, uh, and the scanner in it is just A4, whereas some of the A3 printers have an A, um, an A3 scanner so, as, as yeah, well. Right, yeah. So basically it means it, it can do A3 Sort of not exactly how to push, but sort of you know you have to tweak tweak a few things and well, uh, and then it'll do it. Yeah, so we've um, there's I think there's two. You can have some paper um, in on one side, and the, but the main tray we were able to adjust um, that for A3, and it just makes the tray a bit bigger and stick out further on the printer, as, as you can both see there. Um, and so because it was an A3, I loaded up with a bunch of um, you know, pile of, or somebody here loaded a, a pile of um, you know, A3 paper in there, and it fits I think 250 sheets, so it's a reasonable uh, reasonable chunk. Um, and the timing of it was quite convenient because I've just been working on um, three projects actually uh, that involve printing out architect uh, plans, and those coming out on the usual bit of uh, A4, which is the normal printer around here, uh, wouldn't have been much use. So the, the A3 uh, has been absolutely uh, fantastic for that. Print, um, print quality? Um, yeah, print, print quality is, is pretty good, actually. Um, no, no complaints, and certainly looking at some of the smaller type that's in those architect type you know CAD drawings yeah um, it's pretty clear and and easy to read and little symbols and 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 so on that have come through um, and we're talking here a device that um, lands in the sort of three hundred dollar type uh, price range oh, so good. so it's not uh, it's not a super expensive uh, yeah product by any stretch of the imagination and you could scan an a4 sheet and print it out a3 I believe so yeah um, I haven't done a whole lot with the with the copying but um, yeah they were saying it can take with that uh, main tray and then um, being able to load paper on the other side over 500 sheets, 580 sheets. Um, and it did have a, a couple of other interesting things as an ability to print um, directly from, um, from the cloud, from Dropbox or OneDrive. Um, so that fascinates me, but I haven't actually tried it yet. Um, but that sort of concept of being able to link into your cloud services and just walk up to the printer and and push a push a document out sounds um, sounds quite cool. Um, or being able to print from the cloud services th- them, themselves. Um, 
And the other bit w- was that you can print from a range of mobile devices, um, yeah, iOS, Android, and, and, and Windows Phone, which we're starting to see more of. Uh, not something I've tended to find as a, as a major need, because I've usually got a, a, yeah, a full computer handy, but I imagine as time goes on and uh, you know, we rely more and more on, on tablets and the like, uh, this sort of thing becomes uh, pretty useful. I got a brother a wireless laser, and I tried to set it up with the software that came with it. Um, went through their setup, Wi-Fi setup wizard, and all of that kind of stuff. Got nowhere. Struggled with it for hours. Eventually, just went add in system settings and on macOS. Yeah. Added the printer, and the damn thing worked. It just worked everywhere. straight away. Yeah, it's just, oh, why some, did I some of the some of the software that comes from these printer manufacturers it's is terrible. terrible. It really yeah. yeah loads a lot of junk onto your onto your system. So I always try and look for the uh, the lightest way to do that. Um, now the other printer that um, we've got here, which is actually just sitting outside my office at the moment, um, is the um, OfficeJet Color Pro. Uh, and there's a range of these printers that have come through from HP, and we had uh, one of the sort of the lower end uh, models that that I guess uses the, the same uh, technology from HP a little while ago. Um, so, and the, I guess the unique thing about these, from a printing perspective, is they're designed to compete with a laser printer. Um, but they're an inkjet. But what's unique as an inkjet is that instead of having a print head that moves backwards and forwards across the page, um, it prints the whole, a whole line at once. It doesn't, so the paper just flows through it, and the print head is the width of the entire page. Uh, so it prints very, very fast. So the one we've got here is the HP OfficeJet Enterprise Colorflow, and the name's just about as crazy. Colorflow. Uh, I think it's got MFP X585Z. Um, now, so this is the, they're probably at the top end of this the range. Um, it fits a full ream of paper on the standard tray and you can load more trays and all that sort of stuff. Um, but it prints at 70 pages per minute, That's which is fast. Blindingly, blindingly fast. And do you fill reservoirs of colours that work for the whole printhead? Um, yeah, so there are ink. Uh, there is a sign magenta, yellow, and black. Uh, yeah, ink that goes into it. And um, the the other thing, which has has been their their big push to try and get these into uh, into businesses and workplaces, uh, is that the running cost is apparently cheaper than running a laser printer. So they're talking uh, around eight cents per page for for a full color um, print. And uh, around a cent or, or less for for black and white, which is typically what you'd expect of a you know a, a big office uh, copier sure. um, type device. So, yeah, quite interesting to to see. Um, I guess HP sort of innovating again um, a little bit in that uh, in that printer printer space, which they were well known for for a long time. Um, but I haven't paid too much attention to HP printers. Um, so much over the over the last few years, but this one to me sort of stood out as quite interesting. Um, the other bit in the business environment is it's got um, this particular one, the X five eight five Z, has a feature where you can uh, scan documents and it will push them straight to the cloud for you. So um, in this case, we've got ours set up to scan straight into our SharePoint uh, online system, and so that goes straight into the cloud. And it doesn't just do a, an image scan as you might uh, be used to, but it does um, optical character recognition in the background. So if you scan a whole lot of documents and so on 
up into your uh, you know into your storage you can then actually search for text that's in them and so on and that's uh, really cool. and 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 it handles all of that so it's actually got um, that optical character recognition uh, stuff built right into the uh, the device so um, hence why those I think start in the or you know the model with that capability starts at sort of three thousand dollars or, or so, um, but they do have uh, lower end devices that use the same printing type functionality for uh, sub one thousand. So, so that uh, but that one costs three thousand. That's about three thousand. Yeah. And yep. uh, what about the ink? Uh, well, as I say it works out, in, and I don't know what they are per um, you know per cartridge, but based on that typical you know five percent uh, coverage per page, which the the printer industry seems to use. Uh, you know they're talking about lower than laser printing type costs. It's sort of sub ten cents for color, and you know around a cent or, or less for uh, black and white um, per page. So yeah, quite interesting. Yeah, I mean because even buying laser toner is painful. You know, it's like whoa, how many hundreds? <laughs> yeah, and it, I mean it does very lot. If you're buying, if and if you're buying a um, you know toner for uh, say a, a, a more you know, home type device. Often, the cost of the toner is a lot more expensive, mm. and I've noticed you pay more for toner for a, a multifunction device. It's you know, printer, scanner, copier, compared mm. to one that's just, just a um, um, that that's just a printer. So yeah, that's I mean, it's a re- reasonable price point. I wish you could have seen that, everybody. Paul, <laughs> a phone rang, and Paul had to like pull a phone out from a pile of what? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten phones. I can see from here. <laughs> I found the right one. You though. did. You did straight away. <laughs> um, fortunately, most of them don't have uh, all have SIMs in them at once. Oh, so the, they, although I do get caught with buzzing phones that I cannot track down, and I've had. Uh, I've had that happen a, a few times over the last fortnight, and I still haven't figured out. I've got some device that I think its battery just lasts forever because I cannot find it. And a week, <laughs> you know, a week goes by, and then it starts buzzing again. Um, so, yeah, such I guess such is the nature of our our technology today. Uh, if you take the SIM card out and the screens off, actually they can run for ages. Yeah, interesting. Uh, in fact, that. Um, that to our way that's sitting on my desk that hasn't been charged for a number of days quite a number of days doesn't have a sim card in it at the moment um so it hasn't been charged since before the weekend and it's over over half a charge so um yeah so it's quite uh yeah, it's quite interesting good. 12 yeah. smartphones on your desk Paul, just just <laughs> okay. confirming the number okay yeah, yeah. No, don't embarrass me that's, uh, uh yeah i don't think anyone needed to know that but th- thanks patty <laughs> Um, all right, that just about brings us to, uh, to the end. Now, um, there is the matter of a small uh, a small security issue that's been uh, floating around online. Uh, that what's been called the bash bug or um, shell shock. Um, Mike, you followed this a, a, a little bit, and uh, you know, particularly from uh, from an Apple. Uh, Perspective. What have you? Uh, what information has, has come to light? Because you know, a lot of media have jumped on and sort of, um, you know, um, I guess created a, a a little bit of a panic around um, this. And you know, we see these sort of uh, vulnerabilities get get announced, and and we, you know, we hear about them. Um, but the question is, how concerned should we be? So you could probably give us the Mac perspective, since that's sort of where you where you tend to sit. For sure. Um, personally, I think it's almost no threat. 
So if, apparently if your firewall is on, and at the moment I've got one on my router on and one on my Mac on, um, you're pretty safe. And the other thing is that it only really affects Macs. Every Mac runs Unix, of course, out of the box. Um, if you've gone in and fiddled around and set up um, quite specialist parameters in Unix. Now, I know people do this, but most people wouldn't even know they had Unix on their Macs. So they certainly haven't been in and looked at Terminal and started playing around with it because that's quite dangerous anyway. So the threat is actually incredibly minor. I couldn't tell you a percentage of how many people it might affect, but I'd imagine it'd be you know, under 1% um, worldwide. And uh, so far there's nothing you can do about it except for don't play with Unix, <laughs> leave your firewall on, and um, wait for Apple's patch, which is imminent apparently yeah i mean we've seen uh patches coming out um yeah specifically for bash um that that people can you know load directly onto linux machines web servers and so on Um, but most end users aren't aren't running something that's vulnerable windows isn't vulnerable in this way um for me my main concern is what the potential flow-on effect is if uh if a whole lot of websites get infected and then they uh in turn start pushing out malware to people that visit those websites, that would probably be more of a concern. Um, sure. but, but, but malware almost a, doesn't. You know, there's no malware for Mac, so it would have to be Unix malware, and then it would have to get through OS 10. That's, n- to that's get it not to Unix quite true, actually. It's I've not come, quite I've, true. I've come across a number of times over the last few months, actually, in really? Mac environments where, oh, okay. uh, yeah, where, where people have um, got infected machines and so on. But normally, it's either a, an infection that you pass on to a Windows machine from a Windows machine. Or it's malware that you've actually installed yourself. Like there's that tricky one where it looks like you're installing antivirus, but you're actually installing malware. So, you know, there's nothing that can self-install, but there's, there has been instances where uh, people dis- have disagree with you on that one too. I'd like um, to see the specific instance. <laughs> um, but, I mean, yeah, the, the re- but the reality is I think most people aren't, um, their computers aren't directly uh, directly at risk from um, from shell shock. So, so far. So, but yeah, we'll see, and no doubt there will be other uh, other vulnerabilities coming in the future. Um, and also to mention um, Windows Nine, uh, that's get, getting um, well. That's what we're expecting it to be called. Um, expecting that to get announced uh, overnight. The uh, the the preview for that, um, which seems to be targeting the business market, which is I guess. Uh, the area where Microsoft haven't had so much traction with uh, with Windows 8. And uh, next week we'll be hearing a, a good sort of update on that from uh, someone from Microsoft that will be joining us here to fill in some gaps. Interesting. Um, now, lastly, Paddy, was there something new about QuickFlix uh, coming out that we should be aware of? Um, I, just, just a few things, Paul. So um, I guess the, 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 the main point would be to say that um, shortly if there are uh, any PlayStation users listening, at the moment you will only be able to access our subscription content through PlayStation, but um, shortly we're going to be launching our pay-per-view service through PlayStation as well, which is great because it means that uh, not only existing subscribers will be able to um, top up with some new release content, but also anyone who wants to come in and, and just watch casually uh, will be able to do that as well. So, cool. um, so that's really exciting. All the you know new new release movies and so on. Mm. Um, so yeah, that's good. Other news. Um, there there are other things in the pipeline that we're working on that we'll be announcing from 
uh, well, over the next coming weeks and months. But um, yeah, I guess that's the that's the main thing. That's good. Yeah, you guys always seem to be working on something, or yeah, the new little bits and pieces that sort of uh, yeah slip out from time to time, which is is good. Um, just in terms of your um, you know t- your TV content, because mm-hmm. you obviously got a bit of competition yep. um, in that area recently. What um, you know what what are your most sort of exciting and interesting series that are sort of proving popular at the moment? So uh, it's mainly the Kiwi content, to be honest. We've just we, um, what about two or three weeks ago we went live with um, about two, uh, yeah I think two weeks ago we went live with the whole of Brotown, um, which uh, it was it was just before my time in New Zealand actually, and I I did watch it soon after I arrived, and um, but it, it just goes to show I mean um, y- you know if it's funny then it's still funny now, and you know the viewing stats have just gone through the roof, and uh, oh, cool. it's been top of our charts pretty much ever since and uh it's going down you know extremely well and uh yeah really pleased to be able to do that i i think it's we know we've known for you know for as long as we've been operating that kiwi content was uh important and uh you know it was same sort of thing happened when we put outrageous fortune up and go girls and you know there'll be more kiwi content coming um some some kids kids kiwi stuff um and some you know some some mainstream kiwi stuff as well so it's you know a lot, lot more kiwi content coming other content too just to be clear but um just right now the kiwi content smashing it out of the park which is you know great mm. great to see i think new zealanders are just rightly proud of of content that they produce that can you know hold its head up a, among mm. the you know the best of it and um as i say bro town's just you know it's right up there it's real quality right and uh yeah all five oh, seasons right now are going really well that's good. Oh well, um, well done. That's good. Good to have that. Uh, good to have that content flowing through. Shortland Street. That's a, that's a bit of a Kiwi. Kiwi. Yeah, maybe not. Icon. No, maybe not. No, no, no not, not, so not a big demand for that. I mean, you could if you wanted content that people are going to stream for days, weeks, months, years. I mean, there must be a lot of episodes for that. There must will go, be, must will, go back. Yeah, there will be a lot of episodes now. So. Um, <laughs> yeah, look, it's not, I guess it's just to say it's not a priority. I mean, it's not to say there's no room for uh, a sort of a soap on, uh, mm. you know, in our mm. kind of service. I don't think that's definitely true. But, you know, it, my, my gut feel for, and look, I'm not the programmer, just to be clear. And I'm certainly but, not a fan <laughs> either, just to be clear. But, 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 you know, my gut feel is that soap operas are... Um, probably you know that they're not the they're not they're not the sort of the you know the headline act for a, a subscription service like ours uh similarly you, you know reality tv that kind of thing again you know we're not sort of just just rushing to to pick some up that's not to say it won't it won't uh show up yeah something like top gear or whatever would, would go down like yeah. it go down really well so um you know and there are lots of others you know or cookery things or you know grand designs or you know all sorts of things mm, that, mm. that they could all work but um uh you know they're not a priority what yep. about really good web series ah that's that, that's um yeah there's something that, that that we're looking at for sure i mean i'm a big fan of web series have you seen flat three i've seen flat three i love yeah, that yeah, one. yeah it's, it's great it's great yeah. I'm, I'm a big fan of flat three actually and there are others there's the factory and um you know quite a few others that are you know that are that are really good um so uh, web series are an interesting one for sure Cool. All right. Well, uh, thank you, gents, for uh, for joining us here on the NZ Tech Podcast this week. Now, Mark, where do we track you down online? Um, Mac-nz.com. Excellent. That's my news, reviews, everything about, you know, anything interesting about Apple. Yep. Um, and I'll soon be on iStart, although that's not official. So I'll have, hopefully, something on there soon that is official. Yep. Cool. <laughs> um, yeah. And uh, I'm just generally, yeah, if you look, if you search for Apple and Mark, you'll probably find me been there a while yeah yeah, yeah good and Paddy so uh, yeah I'm at Paddy Buckley on Twitter um, and obviously the QuickFix website quickfix.co.nz uh, relatively new website so um, that's all working well um, 
and you can find Quick Fix generally on a wide range of connected devices. Yes, uh, yes, around yes. No, the enough house. promo, Paddy. <laughs> your, your time's up. <laughs> I can't believe it. Yeah. Hey, um, hey, yeah. Well, thanks, guys. Appreciate that. Um, I can be tracked down online as well uh, at Paul Spain on on Twitter, um, and you can find my my blog there through uh, through Geek Zone, and you can find my company if you happen to be looking for IT services. I don't often give my company a promo, but uh, Gorilla Technology is at uh, gorillatechnology.com. Yep. So that's us. Hey, thanks everyone for joining us. Thank Catch you. you next thanks week. Thanks a lot. See ya. The New Zealand Tech Podcast, brought to you by Vector Communications. Data networks built for business.